Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. Now, Lord, it is our honor to pray together that you would bless your word. But there is a second thing. It is also for me to pray that you indeed will bless these people. For they belong to you. They need your protection. Man is helpless even to look after himself properly. It is only with the Lord our God that we will prosper, be in health, even as our souls prosper. Lord, that you would help us to walk in the light as you are the light of this world. That we will be committed to you. That we will have values of truth and honesty and integrity and love for one another. Holiness in the fear of the Lord. And walk with you the thin and the narrow road that leads straight to the city of our God. Bless your people in their finances. Indeed, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we ask that. And Heavenly Father, we pray, let your word also be good for your people. Cause growth and inspiration as we look towards the day that we say God so loved the world and Jesus so loved us. He went to the cross and he died for our sins. We're but a few days away from the feast of the Passover on Friday. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, God bless His Word. And it's really good to be with you. There's a lot of people in church. And right now, things are really building up towards the Passover. We'll have to prepare this building. And uh, there is one service on Friday morning. It's Passover time. We open up most probably the side halls, everything, put in extra chairs everywhere so that we can accommodate all the people here in the church. So it's 8 o'clock Friday morning that uh, you come, and I, I would counsel with you, come a little bit earlier than usual. Be sure that you get a good seat because it is also so that maybe you just want to have a good seat. I haven't said that to the first service, but don't tell them. You know, so uh, just see that you get a nice seat and... Uh, then it's a, it's a wonderful day. It is what, what is in, in the Hebrew called the High Holy Day. It's the High Holy Sunday. In fact, it's so in Scripture also. And uh, when, you, when you get to the Passover, then it's the time when the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the earth actually was crucified on the cross, died in his own body, judged sin on the cross, so that now there would be no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. The carnality of this world. You've, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You've been called out of darkness into the light of God. And He loves you. The point and the fact and the truth is Jesus loves us. You know, I spoke about this whole thing, God's never dropped us. You know, that's just the way I feel. I remember many, many years, many times, that uh, there'd be some situation, whatever the case may be. And I would have a standard expression, the Lord has never dropped us. The year that ons nog nooit in die steek gelaat nie. He's never failed us. He's never dropped us. He's always been there. Lo, I am with you, even until the end of the age. Jesus here today. Give the Lord a praise after everybody. Amen. 
Now, you know what kind of thing it is. It's like I'm in a mood just more to talk. And even tonight, um, I have some things I want to do tonight, but uh, maybe I'll talk and share that a little bit later on. But now, go with me into Matthew chapter 27, 45. This is very important because we are building up towards the Passover. And then after that, Resurrection Sunday is a massive day in the church because that is our victory day. That's the day in which the Lord was raised from the dead. And that was on a Sunday. And from there, the Christian church, from the early church fathers, immediately took Sunday as their Sabbath day because it's the day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the beginning of the church age as well. Jesus, the first begotten from the dead, being raised from the dead. That happens on uh, Resurrection Sunday, which is next week. And so now, Matthew 27, 45, we just little talk around the cross and dimensions around the cross. Matthew 27, 45, the heading here, uh, on, on, in my Bible here in front of me, says, uh, Jesus dies on the cross. Matthew 27, 45. Now from the sixth hour, that is 12 p.m., until the ninth hour, that is 3 p.m., there was darkness all over the land. At about the ninth hour, 3 p.m., Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is an amazing moment which you can say so very much about that. Then in Matthew 27, 47, some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. And the rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. And then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. And the graves, notice verse 52, the graves were opened and many of the saints, those are the holy people of the Old Testament, who had fallen asleep were raised. In other words, there are people like David, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the Old Testament saints, they're the Bible says the graves were opened. Many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves, notice, after his resurrection, after the resurrection of the Lord. That means he's the first begotten from the dead. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. And of course, we know shortly after that, Jesus ascended into heaven. He, after this, defeating the devil in the nether world. Uh, in the bosom of Abraham, he then led a train of captives, Ephesians chapter before 11, that whole section there, Ephesians chapter before, you can study that. It's good to read the whole chapter always. Sometimes you just quote a verse, and it's like out of context, rather have the whole context. You see there how that uh, he led a train of captives when he ascended on high, he led a train of captives 
And um, another translation would say, like the King James translation would say, he led captivity captive. But it's really all those saints that he led up into the heavens above to be seated at the right hand of the Father as the eternal high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Very interesting, the scripture here. So we now know that what is known as the bosom of Abraham, you can read about it in Luke chapter number 16 of the story of the rich man and Lazarus that both died. And what is the bosom of Abraham? Paradise of the Old Testament. And then there's a place of torment or Gehenna or hell where people are being tormented, tortured right now. And that's the place where Jesus, of course, went and defeated the devil, took the keys of life and death, and uh, broke all the chains, the power of the chains and the chains of darkness. And he stripped them of their arms and their armament and their power, their, literally what is their armament. He stripped them down, rendering them harmless. And the Bible says in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 2, 14, um, that... Uh, because the, the children are flesh and blood, likewise he also partook of the same, namely of flesh and blood. That through death, through death, he might destroy him who had the power over death, that is the devil. And release them who all their lives were in captivity, in the bondage of fear unto death. They were held there in the bondage of fear unto death. The believer in Jesus Christ, Sudden death means sudden glory. So the devil is not capable of really killing you because you have eternal life. Can you say amen? amen. And I can tell you one more thing. That's what Paul says. He says these words. He says, you know, I desire to go to be with the Lord, which is far better. The Afrikaans translation says, better. but to remain here is more needful for you. So we have a home and a residence with the Lord Almighty God in heaven above. How I wish I can tell you more about that today. But be as it may, uh, we look at these things and then we also have this here in the book of 1 Corinthians 1.18. I don't know how far I'm going to get in this session. It does not really matter because I'm more in a mood to just talk to you and uh, just bless you with the scriptures and know this, that if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, he is the light of the world, you walk in the light, the Lord will always take care of you. You know what I've seen these days? Let me just tell you this. I have seen these days that the more intense, on a personal level, I make my devotion to God, the more he communicates with me. The more intense, the more he protects. And the more absolutely total peacefulness that you experience in your entire inner being. Wherever you go, you don't know the thing called fear. Because, you know, in, I think back, I don't, want, I don't want to talk about those things, but, you know, I studied and graduated in psychology, uh, psychology at the university. And um, then uh, I, I, I thought about that, and I think, I think of all these schools in psychology, Freud, Jung, uh, Skinner, Horny, Pavlov, and all of those, you know, the, the, the schools of uh, thought of psychology. And I think with us, when they talk about counseling people, and they talk about, you know, trying to, you know, dig up all the thorns and things in people's lives and whatever, um, there is no way that you can come to the point of actual peace. I studied that stuff. 
There's no way that you can actually find peace without Jesus right there. How many of you say amen to that? How many of you know it's impossible to have peace? I mean, if Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. So if you don't have that, how's peace then? How's peace when, <laughs> let's take two examples. When you have a very difficult situation, you're in a very difficult time of your life, but you have peace here, you know God's going to help you. You just know He's going to work it out for you. You just know that you need a little bit of patience. You need a little bit of endurance in the faith. That the development of your faith, as Peter said, is more valuable than gold. You know, you, you just know if you've got that peace on the inside of your heart, you just know it's going to be better tomorrow. And you hang in there and tomorrow then becomes better. Can you say amen to the Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. Now you get, right on the other hand, another person goes to have uh, psychological counseling. My goodness, we studied all of that stuff and we practiced that. Oh my goodness. And you know, but you can't impart peace to a person who has not the Prince of Peace in the center of his heart, in his life. Because there's just a difference. You cannot pacify a person when he hasn't got peace. He has got to have Jesus. He must know that he's a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's got to have Jesus here. Once he's got Jesus here, he realizes that, okay, I can now pray. I can now go to God. I found myself a scripture. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Can you say amen? Romans 10, 17. Therefore, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is of hearing, hearing of the word of God. And so you have a verse. You have the peace of God. And now you face the same situation. And things are bad. A man walks into my office. I, I, I would have told you this some time back. Walks into my office in Lindhaven. We were talking about it this week. And uh, I'll never forget that day. I'm sitting there. And uh, suddenly there's this man who wants to see me. He's a child of God. He's really a child of God. He sits there. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's talking in tongues. And he is in a situation where there's a court case and it's murder. And if he's found guilty in those days, I don't know if they still, they were still hanging people back there. You know, there's still the death penalty. And I'm looking at this man. I think, oh my, this is serious stuff. And he sat, sat in front of me and he was calm. And he was peaceful. He says, Pastor, I can tell you I'm innocent. But tomorrow, if that judge says the opposite, then the worst will follow. And uh, I looked at him. Suddenly the Spirit of God comes on me. And I say to him, be not afraid. Tomorrow the judge will tell you that you're innocent. Go and be in the peace of the Lord. This peace God has given you. He went. He went to court. The judge spoke a word and dropped the hammer. He said, I declare that you are innocent. You have no trial against you, nothing anymore. You are not guilty of this situation of murder. Go home. And he came back. And he's smiling from ear to ear. He says, Pastor, look at me. I'm walking around. I'm a free man now. And you know what, Pastor? 
There's something in my heart that tells me, Jesus was with me in a court case. That court case, I got the victory. Another man gets, I just, um, I'm saying things I didn't say in the previous session, but it's okay, it's family time. Here's another man comes and he's got, he's got a major situation. And they're going to take him to the cleaners. Dr. Dennis, they're going to take this man to the, we're talking millions here. They're going to take him to the cleaners. And he walks with his Bible, takes his Bible. Because he's walked in the light, see. That's always a thing. Always a thing. Walk in the light. So there's always somebody. Trouble comes. You don't invite it. It comes. And uh, here was a man. He was just, takes his Bible, sits down. He faces this council and he puts his Bible down in front of them. And he says, by this book I live in the integrity before God whom I fear. And according to these principles, I tell you today that you now dealing with someone who belongs to God, there's nothing in me that I've done evil in the sight of the Lord. They released him of millions of rand. Literally, he won the case and it was millions. Right there, they set him free. Give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. And today he lives on. He's alive and he's well. You see, that's how God deals with us. When you go into the darkest corner of your life, just see to it that you always, always walk in the light. Walk in the light. I said to the first service, it's been like a policy in my life. Just walk in the light. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Walk in integrity. I've loaned nothing from nobody in this building. I have stolen from nobody. I have walked the road with God since I've been that size. But that, as David said, my integrity and my uprightness will preserve me. But the same applies to you, your life. If you walk in integrity, God will preserve you. There are people in this place. You're going through difficult times now. But the Lord is lifting you out of that. Don't look at a cloud like the cloud is forever there. Do you know seasons change? Do you know clouds go away? The sun still shines. It's shining outside now. Give Jesus another praise offering right now. And you know, if you get into the workplace, the people are there and they're victimizing you, just pray for them. You know, there's one thing. It's most powerful. It's a force of the recreated human spirit. The one is the force of faith. But the two powerful ones that I think is the force of faith and the force of love. You pray for a person because faith works by love. You pray for those people that are victimizing you or targeting you or, or just or trying to intimidate you. You pray for them. As long as you walk in the light. Because I've seen one thing. That the more you walk in the light, the more God answers your questions. Your, your uh, prayer requests. When you go to God, you do intercession. He answers you all the time. He answers you. Now, over the last period of time, it's been very quiet with me because in a sense that, that I have gone through a period of time, maybe three, four months. Normally, I see visions, and uh, it happens to be either through dreams in the night, but sometimes when I'm awake, I can see that. I've had some stunning things I can tell you that I've seen while awake. I'm looking at situations and God reveals to me things. On the 9th and the 10th of October of 1983, 
I heard a voice say to me, you've been anointed. I have anointed you with the anointing of a prophet. You've moved into the office of a prophet. And the following day, I thought, no, that's not possible. Who's that? That was just a dream. Then I prayed to God. I said, Lord, you know, what is this? And um, he said to me, I said to him, please, please confirm what you're saying to me. The following night, another six times, he would say the same thing to me. I've anointed you with the anointing of a prophet, moved you into the office of a prophet. So from there, I began to see visions. And for these years, I've looked, and they talk about the prophetic office. They have a personal prophecy here, a personal prophecy there. That's not the case with me. I see the nations. I see the world. I see the world in severe trouble. I see what goes on. I see the grouping of demonic forces in situations. I can see how the God of this world system is preparing himself for the final battle. I said to the first service, maybe I'll talk about it tonight. I'm not quite sure if I'm released. I must go pray still this afternoon because I've got stuff I can preach about. So I don't know. I've got to get the, the green light from the Lord because very often it's like my heart burns to tell you what I want to tell you. But I know this is where you've got to be very careful. You don't say things if the Lord doesn't tell you to do that. So you see these things and you see what's going on. Somebody goes around with a personal prophecy here and there. and this, this, the, the office of the prophet is completely revelatory. It's completely revelatory. You move into a dimension and you see things from fallen angels to demons. From angels. And I've seen so many things that I can tell you. But God has got a plan with you. And he's got a future with you. Here is a story that all touches all of us in 1 Corinthians 1.18 as we again turn our eyes towards the cross because the Lamb of God died for you and I. He suffered on that cross. And if you walk in integrity and if you walk in love and you walk in the truth, if you stay with God and you remain faithful to the Lord more now than ever before, He will carry you through all the dark times because go and read Psalm 37. Go and read Psalm 34. 37, 24, 25 tells you these verses. Uh, tells you, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed beg for bread. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. And then Psalm 34 tells you that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. All of it. Amen. So if God's for you, can be against you. Think about that. Speak it. Say it. Believe it. Confess the word over your life. 1 Corinthians 1.18. Central point. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But to we... I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So it's different from the New King James. Yeah, I just like this particular rendition of this part of Scripture. But to those who are headed for destruction, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know that it's the very power of God. The Scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. Verse 19, New Living Translation. So where does this leave the philosophers, 
the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters. God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since the wisdom of God, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. How many of you believe that there's power in the cross of Jesus Christ? How many of you believe today that there's power in the blood of Jesus? How many of you believe today that by the stripes of Jesus, you have been healed? How many of you say today that that healing power is available to you where you are sitting right now? Can you give him a praise offering? It's just like that. The power of God unto salvation to those who believe. Now the cross, this I didn't talk about. Maybe I should close there and I can just talk to you. Now the cross of Jesus, I'm just fascinated by this because a lot of people are walking around with a cross around the neck, but there's no cross in their hearts. It's an ornament. It's just something, it's a, like a decorative thing that they carry around the neck and it looks good. They even have bracelets. You call that here? What's the bracelets these things women wear? They have it with little crosses on. And then they live lives that absolutely deny the fact that they ever believed in Jesus. But they like it as an ornament or it's given as a gift. They wear it around the neck. The cross is like major. It is major. I'm going to give you one example. When the cross was planted, there is a spot in Jerusalem where you can go to where they say this is the very spot where the cross was placed in. They made a hollow in the rock so that that would be, that would be the place where it fitted that cross that they made. And uh, to go in there in the church of the Holy Sepulchre, I'll translate, you go in there and then you go upstairs to the place where you have the rock formation that's full of cracks because on that day there was an earthquake and the rocks was, were cracked. And then if you look at that, you go to the place where this is now the foot of the cross. This is where the cross went into that hole there. And you, you crawl actually on your knees, one at a time, only one at a time. People queue one at a time, you crawl in there. And there you sit, just you, on your knees, you're forced to be on your knees. And that's good so, you're on your knees now. And right in front of your nose, there it is. That's where the cross fitted. Do you know what happened there? Time split. Time was split. What do I mean by that? Before that time, it was called B.C. Now it's called A.D. Afrikaans, voor Christus, na Christus. All of the Old Testament, which is called the Tanakh in Hebrew, and the Torah, which is the five books of Moses, the Tanakh incorporates that. All of the Tanakh comes to that point, and it's so many years before Christ. From Jesus and forward, it is A.D. Anno, it's Latin, Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. So we talk about the year 2023 after Christ, after the, or in the year of our Lord, Anno Domini 2023. That's where we are. And, and so this is the point where history literally, can you think a single individual 
They plant a cross, Jesus Christ the Lord, and immediately all the calendars of the world are split. How's that? Just that one single thing. It changed history. There's another fact about all of the story of the cross, the message of the cross. Foolishness to those on the way to perdition, but to us who are being saved, it is the power, it is the wisdom, it is the glory of God. It is the one point in time that time split itself. And then you see that when you faced with the cross, the place of the cross you face with us, it's almost like, it's almost like you're facing a point where time has been split and it now stands still on that spot. It's like I confront the cross, the cross confronts me. I bow before God, the Lord my God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I recognize that sacrifice was for me. I give my life to Jesus I repent of sin, I turn away from evil, I commit to God, and something happens. I become part of eternity. I now have received eternal life because I'm now born again. I gave my life to Jesus. Now eternal life, and the word eternal is precisely what it means. You see, The Bible even talks about before time began. There's a scripture like that in the Bible, in the New Testament, in fact, before time began. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, split the ages in two. From here forward, the first begotten from the dead will reign, the King of glory. He's no more to be bumped around by anyone. He comes back in Revelation chapter number one. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And you can almost say, and there's nothing in between except Him. He says, and I have in my hands the keys of death and life. This is Christ the Lord that we're dealing with. When you come to a place where Paul cries out, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. I live no more, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 6:14 For me there is no further need now therefore to boast except for the cross of Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior through whom I have been crucified to the world and the world to me that means dead to the world think again if you today had to say to yourself because this is what the scripture says Dead to, to the world, but alive to God. Sin shall not reign in your mortal bodies, but reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Read Romans chapter number six. You know, I should give more chapters out of these because it is, it is foundations to our faith in Jesus Christ the Lord. And um, when, when you become dead to the world, now let's say I face the cross, I've recognized that Jesus died for me, God the Father raised him from the dead. He's my Lord and Savior. I've repented from sin. And I now look around at the world around me. It's strange. The world is dead to me. You can't buy me with money. That's why I said to my wife years ago, take over all money. I don't want money in my life. Nothing. You can't buy me with money because 
Just take it away. I look at the world and I see what people do and how they chase after that which they must let go of. I see it. You look around at that world behind you and what do you see? There's the sign of the cross. What do you see? You see the world is filled with death. But then you see what the Bible says, my beloved, you that shine as lights in the world of darkness. You are the saints in the light. You are the royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. You are children of God, kings and priests of our God. You have authority. You have power. You cleanse by the blood of Jesus. You filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the blessing of Abraham upon you. That's very powerful stuff. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenies is yours in Christ Jesus. And all the promises of God are yea and amen in Jesus Christ. Whose report will you believe? I believe the report of the Lord. There is the world. And there's an old song. Now, I'm not, I know I'm not a band singer here. But you know, it goes like, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Praise the Lord. No turning back. The world behind me. The cross before me. Isn't that so? Isn't that so? Well, stand your feet. Give the Lord a praise offering you morning. Do a good job when you praise God. This one time of the week we praise Him. We bless the Lord. We praise Him. One time of the week we unite and we praise God. We give Him glory. No turning back. Praise the Lord. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Praise the Lord. And you know what? You wonderful, precious people. Just be loyal to the Lord. And He will now take you through your storms. Through all the depths of waters, stormy seas. And you'll see the world from another perspective. King Solomon said, it's a chasing after wind. But those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Can't be shaken, but forever endures. If you've got Jesus, really you've got everything. You are a kingdom of God joint heir with Christ. Can you say amen? amen? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All God's people say. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.